listeners. Hello. I'm Andrew. I'm Rachel. And this is Behind the Bastards. It most certainly is not, it's but that's not. a pretty great name. Oh, it's a great name, yeah. <laughs> um, I would recommend Behind the Bastards. What is it about? It's a podcast. It's uh, from one of the guys at Cracked, and he goes in and he talks about like uh, how reactionaries come to power and like how bad people get away with doing bad stuff. It's, re- it's Money. Re- really interesting, yeah. But no. We are Armchair Apocrypha. That's right. Another alliterative yes. uh, podcast. Yes. We're just one letter off this time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting We're better. We're close. <laughs> yeah. Maybe next week you'll get Maybe it. Maybe next Yeah. I'll drink to that. Mm. How was your week? It was... It went by fast, which yeah. is fine. And... Now I've got myself into a little hole, and I'm literally dog sitting for like five people for the next two months. Oh. I'm about to call it Nick's dog sitting. <laughs> like, I literally want to be jumping from house to house to yeah. house all over town, anyone in Indiana. Yeah. And they're over- overlapping now. Yeah. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's The little extra money is nice, but I'm kind of over it. So I yeah. think by the time I finish all these out, except for one or two instances, I just need to be like, I can't. Yeah. Uh, when we get a house, we're going to get a dog. I was about to say, yeah. To then I, then I can't yeah. do it. Even I won't say that I live with someone. <laughs> I was just like, no, I can't. I have my own dog yeah. I have to take care of. Yeah. Yeah. Two birds, one stone. Exactly. You get to get out of dog sitting and you get a dog. And I get a house, which yeah. would be nice. Three birds, one stone. Three birds, yeah. So nice. Ha. How was your week? It was pretty long. Um... My, uh, I told you my nephew broke his, his, uh... Leg? He broke his leg, um, and it looks really nasty. I've never broken a bone before, so... Me either. I don't even know yeah. what that'd be like. Um, and then my grandmother isn't doing very well. She had a stroke a few years ago, so she's a little confused, and, um... She's a little confused, and, uh, the doctor told her not to drive, but she's like, well, I'm gonna drive anyway, and I'm like... <laughs> Don't drive I know, if they tell I you laugh not to at that because it's like I can just totally see like yeah. elderly are like, yeah. <laughs> but it's not like I can't blame them, but yeah. at the same time I point my finger like, no, don't yeah. do it. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure if I was told not to drive, I'd be, I'd be like, nah, I'm good. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. My Ugh. grandmother is like a really controlling person just by her nature. Yeah. And so every time So that makes it even there, better. <laughs> yeah. Every time we go over there, she's like, are you thirsty? And I'm, I'll be like, no. Yeah. And she's like, well, I brought you this water oh. just in case you're thirsty. And it's like, I just told you I'm not thirsty. <laughs> She'll be like, are you hungry? And it's like, no, I ate on the way up here. And she's like, well, I brought you this this food for you to eat. And it's like, I just told you I'm not hungry. <laughs> and it's, uh, she's pretty, uh, pretty annoying in that regard. But like, that's who she is She's your grandma, person. yeah. Um, and so she really doesn't like not being able to go out and do stuff on Oh, her yeah. It's like, it takes away, like, freedom a little yeah. bit. Um, and then uh, I was telling you last night, like, um, I used to use Student Universe to buy uh, tickets. Yes. That's what I usually use. But I'm not a student anymore, and I'm not a teacher anymore, so I can't get my student or teacher discounts. Um, so I'm really disappointed, and I had to buy my mom a plane ticket for uh, Louisville last night and didn't have that student discount. I was like... <laughs> God dang it. So it was pretty long. But hopefully I, this next week is better. Hopefully this uh, next week is better. I have uh, another interview on Tuesday, so wish me luck. Which one is it? Uh, it's uh, Indiana University Southwest. Oh, yes. 
So it's teach like English? Uh, no, it'll be an academic advisor position. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. <laughs> Are you going to wear a button-up and a tie? Absolutely. All right. Um, so keep your fingers crossed for that. Yes, um, and I'll see you Tuesday night, and you'll tell me all about it. Yeah. Uh, I still haven't heard back from the other company yet, so hopefully they'll talk right. to me you sometime. this interview. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, listeners, keep your keep your fingers crossed for me. Hopefully, I'll have a new job here soon. Uh, <coughs> you ready to get into it? Let's do it. That's cool. a great. That's a high note to end on. Yes. Let me uh, let me get my stuff together. So, is your story depressing? Um, it's not really depressing. It is a little. Uh, parts of it are pretty angering um, for me, at least. Okay. Um, but yeah. it has a happy ending. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you know what I think after you're done with your story. <laughs> Ra- Rachel doesn't trust me when I say happy endings. I don't. <laughs> mm. So I'm going to be talking about the uh, motorcycle queen of Miami. I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name is Bessie Stringfield. She was the first African-American woman to ride across the United States solo. That's fantastic. Yes. Um, she was also, uh, she served in World War II as a dis- dispatch rider, so she would go out on her motorcycle between encampments and deliver supplies. Uh, what year are we talking here? Uh, she was born in 1911. Okay. Uh, she actually has two origin stories, one uh, <laughs> that is real and one that it, uh, she made up. <laughs> she didn't like her original one? Uh, nope, apparently not. Okay. Um, she was born uh, Bessie Beatrice White to uh, Maggie Cherry and James White, who lived in Edenton, North Carolina. Um, as she got older, she uh, created her own version of her past, in which she was born in Kingston, Jamaica, and um, emigrated to uh, the United States. Okay. Um, she has a social security card, so she was probably born in the United States. But her social security card lists her birth year as 1912 instead of 1911. So it's possible that it was filed after afterwards. After she was born? Yeah. Okay. Um, but you never know. Maybe she was actually born in Kingston, Jamaica. Yeah. Um, so, you know, choose your, uh, choose your origin story. Yeah. Armchair, hashtag armchair apocrypha. <laughs> hashtag armchair apocrypha. Um, let's see. Um, in the popular account of Stringfield's life, her family migrated to Boston when she was still young. Um, her parents died when she was five, and she was adopted and raised by an Irish woman. Um, at the age of 16, she bought her first motorcycle, a 1928 Indian Scout. Um, in 1930, at the age of 19, she started traveling across the United States, um, and she made eight long-distance trips across the United States uh, within her lifetime. Um, and she also went to Europe, Brazil, and Haiti. Um, she only went to the 48 uh, contiguous states. Yeah. Not, the, not, not Hawaii Alaska, or Alaska. Hawaii, yeah. um, but she was the first black woman to do a cross-country solo ride. That's pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was often denied uh, accommodation while traveling. A lot of hotels wouldn't uh, host her because she was a black woman. Um, and what? I'm just joking. Um, I saw that coming. <laughs> and so she... Uh, so what she do? She would usually sleep on her bike at rest areas. Mm. Which, I at least this country isn't racist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I saw uh, there's a new green book out for uh, Black Travelers to avoid sundown towns. Uh, somebody oh. just re-released it, the green book earlier as this year. As horrifying as it is, I'm glad that it exists. Yes. Uh, and we'll, I think I'll probably put that up on uh, the Facebook tonight yeah. if you guys want to go check it on the Facebook. Um, it was really interesting seeing all the stuff that's... Uh, that's in it. It, it uses uh, statistics now. So they've got okay. um, police statistics. They've got uh, police dispatchers notes, all that stuff. Okay. So all right. Yeah, that's very thorough. It's uh, it's terrifying to think that people need it, but it's also like yeah. really interesting if you look through it. Um, later on, when she would enter races uh, and uh, competitions, she would also be denied um, prize money for her winnings. Then who'd they give it to? They just kept it for themselves? Apparently. Oh my gosh. Um, you said this has a happy ending. Uh, yeah. There is hesitation. <laughs> Keep going. I want to hear more about her. Uh, during World War II, she served as a civilian courier for the U.S. Army. Nice. Um, she would carry documents between domestic army bases. Uh, she completed a rigorous training and rode her own blue 61 cubic inch Harley Davidson. That's so cool. Are there pictures of her on her Harley? Um, I saw a few pictures of her. I'm not sure if... uh, She's on the bike. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was for Harley or not. Um, During the four years she worked for the Army, she crossed the United States eight times. Uh, She regularly encountered racism. Um, At one point she was deliberately knocked down by a white male in a pickup truck while traveling in uh, Mississippi, I believe. Let me guess, he didn't get into any trouble. They usually didn't. Yeah. Um, In the 1950s, after the war, she uh, moved to Miami. Um, This is going to be a particularly triggering uh, part of the episode if uh, if you're you're sensitive to racial issues. um, I would suggest skipping ahead, like, maybe ten minutes. Ten minutes? Yeah. Um, I need more wine. <laughs> it's not, it's not super bad. Like she doesn't get attacked or anything. It's just a lot of like prejudice. Um, right. Actually, maybe just a couple minutes. Um, in the 1950s, she moved to Miami. Um, she kept getting in trouble with the police officers in Miami because they didn't like black women riding a motorcycle, um, and so she called the. Um, the police chief and she demanded that he give her uh, a a motorcycle license and get his officers to stop um, harassing her her. Um, he said that he would give it he would give her her um, her license uh, if she went out to a park and performed a series of uh, very complicated uh, motorcycle maneuvers not not where you thought that was going but he um he told her before this happened that inward uh, women are not allowed to ride motorcycles. So. And then you ask why not? <laughs> um, and see how they respond. According to they just hang up. According to her biography, she just uh, she just demanded that he give her a license. Um, she said that she could prove it, so he took her out to a park, um, asked her to. Uh, 
to perform a bunch of complicated maneuvers on the motorcycle, mm-hmm. um, and she apparently pulled them off flawlessly. That's right, she did. Um, and so uh, he gave her her motorcycle license, but his police officers continued to harass her. Um, she got the moniker of the Negro Motorcycle Queen, um, and pretty much all of the police officers in Miami knew who she was, so they would pull her over constantly and give her shit. What the hell? Yeah. Um, she started working as a nurse in Miami. Um, she also founded her own motorcycle club, which is the Iron Horse Motorcycle Club. Cool. Um, it was originally all just black members, mm-hmm. um, mostly women. I think over the years it's uh, it's became more like diverse. Um, it still exists? I, I don't know if they're still writing, okay. but uh, as far as I know, the club itself does okay. exist. Um, Could there's be like also, motorcycle enthusiasts as yeah. well. There's also, um, this is not the same club, but up in Ohio there is an outlaw uh, motorcycle club called the, the Iron Horseman. So this is a different motorcycle club okay. than theirs. Um, eventually, after performing uh, in a bunch of competitions... Uh, being able to ride around the city with her motorcycle license, all of that stuff. Uh, the, her nickname was changed to the Motorcycle Queen of Miami, which she uh, wore proudly for most of her life. That's right, she did. Um, I believe at one point she had it like uh, stitched into her jacket, the Motorcycle Queen of Miami. <laughs> so badass. Um, she lived until the age of 82 and kept riding until her death. Oh um, my gosh. And she died in 1993. Um, so that's the, uh, the story of, um, Bessie Stringfield. Bessie? Bessie. I love that. That's so cool. So, yeah. A lot of bad stuff in the past, a lot of bad stuff still around, but she had a happy ending. Well, we have somewhat (laughs) similar, but I'll get into that in a little bit, which made me really excited when you were saying certain things. But I have, like, two parts. Cool. I'm going to talk about a thing first, and then I'm going to talk about the person. Okay. So, the first thing I want to talk about is the Appalachian Trail. Uh-huh. Um, we're both kind of, well, I'm not from Appalachia, but we're going to live close to it. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with what the Appalachian Trail is? Yeah. Yeah. Vaguely. Okay. You might know, but these people might know. <laughs> so, the Appalachian National Scenic Trail, generally known as the Appalachian Trail. Do you, how do you pronounce it? Do you pronounce it Appalachian or Appalachia? Appalachian. Appalachian, yeah. yeah. I know that's how it is, and yet I say it this way, so I apologize <laughs> for the rest of the time. That's how I say it, but I know that's the right way. I like how the Yankee is the one pronouncing it correctly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. That's just how it comes naturally. Yeah, it sounds better, Ap- uh, Appalachian. Than um, Appalachia. Yeah. Yeah. I'll try. I'll try to remember. So, generally known as the Appalachia Trail. Or simply the AT, but I'm just going to call it Appalachia Trail. I don't think anybody calls it the AT. No, that's just how they abbreviate it, so that people don't spell it out on the internet. Right, right. Um, is a marked hiking trail in the eastern United States, mm-hmm. where Appalachia is, extending between Springer Mountain in Georgia all the way up to Mount Katahdin, K-A-T-A-D-H-I-N, okay. in Maine. Okay. Um, so I'm going to give you a little facts and figures about this trail. The trail is estimated to be around 2,200 miles. Um, 
long, mm-hmm. though the exact length changes over time as parts are modified and rerouted because yeah. that's what happens naturally. And then that's what the conservation does as well. Um, the Appalachia Trail Con- Conservancy reports that over that uh, the trail this trail is the longest hiking only trail in the world. More than two million people are said to take a hike on part of the trail at least once each year. Yeah, like little trails. Yeah. Um, the idea of the Appalachian Trail um, came about in 1921. Okay. The trail itself was completed in 1937, though. I mean, it took, I mean, it's two th- over 2,000 miles, so it took a while. Yeah. I did go into a little bit of the history about that, about, but I didn't really want to include too much of that, because that's not really what I'm focusing on, but it, I think it had to do with, like, this man um, losing his wife that he loved dearly, and this mm-hmm. is kind of like what he put himself into, and he had money, and then he had friends who were also, like, part of conservance, uh, conservatories type things, and just kind of dedicated his life to making this happen. But I don't have his name. I don't have it off the top of my head. I'm sorry. Okay. No worries. Um, uh, the, so, most of the trails in forests are wild lands, although some uh, portions um, are through towns, roads, and farms. Yeah. Um, it passes through 14 states, mm-hmm. and those 14 states are Georgia, North Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine. And I was shocked because I could have sworn Kentucky was in it. Yeah. But it completely is on the on the West Virginia side and completely, I mean, Appalachia is yeah. in Kentucky, but not the trail. Right. Um, and I was like, I felt, I was like, oh, it's not Kentucky. <laughs> I always thought it was, or it, at least it did. It, but it, it barely, <laughs> it literally curves around Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? You, you have Tennessee and you have West Virginia, but yeah. you couldn't go right through Kentucky. But, you know, whatever. Maybe they didn't like Kentucky or something. When I, uh, when I, went, from, um, when I went from Hazard, Kentucky, over to uh, Manassas, Virginia a couple years ago, yeah. we drove by it, and they've got the, the trail markers up yep. there. Um, I don't know if I have it on here, so I'll say it now, but basically most people don't use maps or anything because it's so easily marked um, that you can't really get lost anymore. And um, there's a guidebook, and they say you just follow the markers in the guidebook, you won't get lost. Um, so, So trail hikers who attempt to complete the entire trail from fucking Georgia all the way to Maine (laughs) um, are called... uh, through hikers, okay. which I think is T H R U dash hikers. Um, uh, those who traverse the t- trail during a series of separate trips are known as section hikers. So the through hikers are the ones who literally go from beginning to end without stopping. Right. Like you don't take a week off and recuperate and come <laughs> back. Then you're a section hiker. Um, the rugged terrain, weather extreme, or the extreme weather, illness, injury, and the time and effort required to make this hike is what makes it very difficult to accomplish. And so you wear it as a badge of honor if you're a thru-hiker. I don't think I know any thru-hikers. One of my friends from the... from my master's... Yeah. uh, Master's degree. One of her good friends while we were in college, uh, he went and did it. Okay. And I think he finished it. Um, I think he did. Okay. Uh, the Appalachian Trail is mm-hmm. usually through hiked from south to north, 
from Georgia to Maine rather than vice versa because um, you typically start in March or April and finish in the late summer, early, late fall of that year. Right. Uh, let's go do it. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. I got some months. <laughs> well, here it is. And through hike generally requires five to seven months. I've got five to seven months. Yeah. Get five to seven months. Yeah, let's do it. Historically, only about 15 or 10 to 15% of those who make the attempt report um, that they have completed it. But more recently, it's gone up, but more people are hiking it as well. But yeah. that was back in the day. Um, the highest single demographic of through hikers are males between the age of 18 to nine, 18 to 29. Okay. People who have had time on their hands. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Just take a gap year. Yeah, basically. Let's go. Hike um, the Appalachian Trail. So that is a little bit about the Appala- Appalachian Trail. You're right. It's, pr- it's supposed to be pretty cool and intense. Before you move on, um, listeners, if you hear uh, some music in the background, that's Rachel's Neighbors. Um, if, uh, if you're going to copyright claim this, um, it's hear. incidental music. It's not intentional music. We're not intentionally uh, playing music in the background. This is why I'm not going to be able to I know, I know. Um, so now we're going to talk about this lady named Emma Gatewood. Emma Gatewood. Also known as Grandma Gatewood. Grandma Gatewood. She was born on October 25th, yeah. 1887 in Mercerville, Ohio, part of Appalachia. She was born to a family of a whopping 15 children. She only had an 8th grade education. She literally repeated the 8th grade until she was 18 years old. Wow. Um, at the age of 19, she was married off to 27-year-old P.C. Gatewood, a college-educated primary school teacher and later tobacco farmer with whom she had 11 fucking children. Ouch. Um, by the time of her death, she had 24 grandchildren, 30 great-grandchildren, and one great-great-grandchild. Wow. Yeah. Big family. It's huge. <laughs> so, Gatewood's husband this is, uh, physically beat her on a regular basis starting from the first weeks of their marriage. Yeah. She recalled being beaten nearly to death on several occasions. She suffered broken ribs, broken teeth, and other injuries during this abusive marriage. Um, and it was at that time where she would do it in public, but you kind of turned the other way. And it's like, that's what men did to their wives, because, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. When her husband became violent, she would on occasion run from the house into the woods where she found peace and solitude. Uh, she eventually successfully divorced him in 1940 after like 33 years of marriage, which was actually unheard of at that time. Yeah. You know, right before World War One. Um, and then, uh, oh yeah, it says a time when divorce was more difficult and after her husband had repeatedly threatened to have her committed to an insane asylum as a means of maintaining control over her so fuck him yeah fuck the patriarchy yeah <laughs> uh yeah um so she raised the last three of her children on her own so he's not much anymore and i don't give a fuck i hope he killed over not too long after that tell us how you really feel <sighs> I hope he cries. <laughs> um, at some point in the 1950s, with all her grand or not grand, but with all her children grown, uh-huh. now the house Gatewood was Emma was reading a 1949 National Geographic article about Earl Schaefer, the first man to through hike the Appalachian Trail. As Gatewood, as Emma's daughter Rowena later told 
Her mother finished the piece and thought to herself, if those men can do it, I can do it. She she thought it would be a nice lark to try. A nice lark. <laughs> yes, I love that. <laughs> Doing it for a lark. Lark, yeah. So, <clears throat> in 1955, at the young age of 67, Gatewood told her children that she was going for a walk. <laughs> they did not ask where or for how long, as they knew she would be resilient and could take care of herself. So, she set off with an aluminum blanket, an old army blanket, sneakers, an extra dress and undergarments, hose, house slippers, bouillon cubes, dried fruits, raisins and nuts, a water bottle, and an emergency kit, and started the Appalachian Trail. Everything you need? All by herself. Um, word of a grandmother hiking through the trails spread fast, and by the time she made it to Virginia, the press had already found out about her, and once she got to Maine, the rangers helped her row, row her across some streams that you have to go through um, on That's the trail. Hiking. Huh? That's not hiking. Actually, that is, um, a lot of people, like, will take cars for part of the yeah. trip, and then they're saying, well, like, no, you can't do that. But you are allowed to get help, I'll tell you about another time, too. Um, after the hike... She was invited on the Today Show, and these appearances made her a celebrity even before she was done with the hike. Can you imagine, like, being all secluded and then all of a sudden realizing, oh, I, people know me. <laughs> right. Um, and she was often recognized and received, quote, quote, trail magic assistance from strangers, yeah. which is actually what a lot of people do when they take it. Because you can't have such a bag to, like, last you for five to seven months. So they yeah. say at some of these shelters that people stayed at, there's usually food hanging for you to have. Yeah. Um, like the townspeople are like people who had already come and or had extra food or something will kind of leave it. That's really nice of them. Yeah. Um, so trail magic in the form of friends, food, and places to sleep. Um, she was even, um, I didn't say on the cover, but she was on Sports Illustrated, the magazine at the time. Um, so after a rattlesnake encounter surviving two hurricanes, and a confrontation with criminals in New York City and her feet being swollen two sizes bigger than normal um, on September 25th, 1955, after five months in the wilderness, Emma completed the Apple, motherfucking Appalachian Trail. <laughs> and she became the first woman to do this trip solo. Wow. Um, with her newfound celebrity, she drew public attention to the little-known trail at that time. Yeah. And with her criticism of the difficult stretches, she reinforced maintenance and saved the trail from extinction. Some people don't. Um, some of the articles I read said, like, she was the reason, like, they like, kept the trail from crumbling because they got all this media attention, so all this money was pouring into the conservation, like, helped it, like, sustain itself. That's awesome. I think it says now on today's money, or, like, in 2018, it costs about $3 million to, like, uphold Appalachian Trail. Um, but her story doesn't stop there, Andrew. <laughs> it doesn't. Tell me more. Emma returned to hike again two years later in 1957, making her the first person, male or female, to successfully tackle the Appalachian Trail twice. Did she do it, like, one way up and one way down, or did she do it... She did, yeah, they say to do south to north. That's easier, and I'll get to that in a little okay. bit. So she did it the same way again. Yeah. Um, Emma said she did it the second time so she could enjoy it. <laughs> what the hell? Um, she completed the trail again in 1964, doing it in sections this time, though, becoming the first to hike it three times. Damn. So she was like 70-something at that time. 
But she then only hiked the Appalachian Trail in 1959, so between her second and third voyage. Um, she walked from Independence, Missouri to Portland, Oregon as part of the Oregon Centennial Celebration. The trip covered nearly 2,000 miles and took her 95 days. That's an average of around 21 miles a day. Wow. And she is in her 70s at this point. Yeah. Um, so just a little backtrack. In 1955, when I first started her story, that was actually her second attempt to start. Her first was actually the year before, in 1954. And she actually started from the top down. Um, but really early into the walk, she broke her glasses and kind of gave up and decided, like, I'll try again next year. And next year she did it. Um, and kind of didn't look back after that. Yeah. Uh, here's some other things that I thought were interesting. So she was always um, interviewed, or she definitely was after the completing. So she gave different re- reports to, or answers to reporters uh, when they asked why she was hiking the trail. Because she was mm-hmm. like, why is this lady doing it? Um, but the wolves. Um, she already said that. Yeah. Well, but these reporters at the, t- at the time thought they were talking to a widow. That's how she described herself. They didn't know the actual story behind her marriage. Right. Um, they didn't realize that she was actually a survivor of domestic violence at that time. She didn't talk about it. Um, one reporter said she was alone. She was free. She didn't have to answer to anyone. Another one said, I'm not sure why she was walking towards something so much as she, or I'm not sure she was walking t- towards something so much as she was walking away. Um... And then someone's just like, I think it's because she just wanted to. <laughs> um, there's a story about her scaring off a bear in the woods. <laughs> yes, um, and then there's another one about a high-rise creek because of, like, big rains happening. Yeah. And she needed to cross it. And um, I'll get to this in a little bit. But the shortened story is um, there are two Eagle Scouts that literally tied her to a rope with them and helped waited her down to cross the, ri- the river. That's kind of like what trail magic is, like people helping yeah. you. Um, and Eagle Scouts do it. Or Boy Scouts, Boy yeah. Scouts. Um, there's a documentary about her called Trail Magic, but I could only find, like, um, the trailer for it because I couldn't find a link for it. I'll yeah. It came out only, like, uh, maybe about uh, 10 or so years ago. Um, but she usually slept on, like, park benches and stuff on her way there and all yeah. that stuff. She didn't have a tent. Uh, some people bring tents with them, but she didn't have one. <laughs> um and just found a place to sleep where she could. And Emma died at her home on June 4th in 1973 at the age of 85. Her achievements left an indelible mark on the trail, and in the years since, through hiking has gradually become more accessible to and inclusive of women. Um, the ratio is still not equal at all, but in 2016, women made up 29% of through hikers, and um, compared with 15% in the last couple of decades. Okay. Um, so I just think she's a motherfucking badass. Yeah. I mean, how do you... I demand Netflix series of both these women. Can you imagine? <laughs> like, she was 67 just in the fucking yeah. woods by herself. Just <laughs> And then she does it again. And then she does it again. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. <laughs> and I always, like, roll my eyes when they say age is just a number you put on yourself, but she actually proved that. Yeah. She's like, oh, I got it. And, like... I mean, it's not easy. You go through a lot, especially back then. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit different than now. Talk about. <laughs> Maybe that's crazy. one Netflix show that has both of these stories. Yeah. Like cross country, 
something. That's well, when you were talking about, like, she's first yeah. go cross country. I was like, holy shit, <laughs> mine's about an older lady who does this trip solo, and who's the first one's all. So cross country something for the title, and then, like, you could have Bessie dealing with racism and... Um, motorcycles. Motorcycles, and then you could have... Uh, Emma. Emma? Emma, yeah. Emma. Emma dealing with, like, the harshness of survival. Yeah. And, like, just uh, following both of them on their separate journeys. And then, like, towards the end, maybe they can meet and be like, uh, here's what I've yeah. gone through and here's what I've gone through. I just, like, I I remember, like, reading the story. I was telling you, I knew what I was going to do earlier. I just yeah. needed to, like, look it up or figure it out today. And I was, like, I was reading her story. I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. This is so cool. And apparently, like, those who go on the trail, like, you know about her. Yeah. Um, when you do your research to get ready to do this trail, everyone knows about it. There's a, she kind of helped build this 20-mile hike in Ohio, and a part of it's named after her. Like, there are several things named after her involving hiking and yeah. stuff. And I just think that's so cool. And you can tell in the, like, few little clips that I could watch on YouTube, it's usually her, like, daughters and grand daughters that I've seen who are just talking about how like what an amazing person she was nice that's really cool that they like obviously admire her admired her yeah so so um is that documentary on YouTube or is it on Netflix or what um I was looking it up it's fine I think it's like I was the only way I could find it was on Amazon or something okay but I don't think it's like through Amazon Prime um Tim I don't know how to like actually like stream. I don't know. I think it's it might be. No, let's do it. Documentary trail magic. And there's even a, a museum of the Appalachian Trail yeah. along the way, or at one of the one of the points, one of the starting points. And there's a little section actually dedicated to her in there. Okay, well, no, I have I can't really find her. Right don't now. worry about yeah. it. We'll, we'll find it. We'll link to it on the site that way. Yeah, and like if you see a picture of her, you're like, yeah, she could do the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, in the Gatewood, but yeah, I just I just love the story. Oh yeah, she's literally her in a burlap sap, just walking <laughs> with glasses and a headscarf. Oh, yeah. Yep. She's like, I got this. <laughs> That's exactly what I would uh, imagine. imagine. <laughs> yeah. A person who could do that three yeah. times would look like. Mm-hmm. Look up, uh, look up Bessie String, uh, Stringfield. Bessie String Field. There it is, motorcycle queen. Yep, there she is. Oh my gosh, that's she's got like yeah, I know I can ride this. Yeah, I love it. There she is on a motorcycle. Super confident. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was great. Yeah. Um, so I think we're going to get out of here. It's a short episode this week, but we'll come back with something a little bit longer next week. Yeah, I will. I promise. Cool. Um, anything you want to plug before we go? No. No. I'm bad at these. I just want to do that. <laughs> I let you do all the plugging. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, if you're uh, if you enjoyed the show, uh, find us on. Um, you can find our website at absentactivismarts.wordpress.com. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Absinthe Activism Arts. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Absinthe Act Arts. Uh, you can find us on um, Patreon at Absinthe Activism Arts. <laughs> um, I think that's all. Uh, as always, buy my book, uh, mm-hmm. read my stories, read my essays, uh, and uh, let us know if there's uh, anything you want to hear.
Oh yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be fun to hear, I guess. Yeah. Um, we're also coming up on our one-year anniversary the week after next, so... That's crazy. <laughs> um, I'm trying to figure out what we're going to do for that. We'll figure something we'll out. We'll figure something yeah. out. Yeah. Um, until next week, listeners. See you.